Welcome to the Liberty, Leadership, and Lies podcast. I'm your host, Larry Linton, and on this podcast, we will be talking about, yep, you guessed it, Liberty, Leadership, and Lies. So stand by as we kick off this episode. Episode 3, Leadership. As we kick off this episode, I would like to encourage everybody to provide feedback on this as well as every other episode. It is by working together we can make this podcast better and more appealing to other listeners who want to work together to restore our constitutional republic. You can contact me by sending an email to larry at libertyleadershipandlies.com. Again, that is larry at libertyleadershipandlies.com. Or you can submit a contact request through the website. Go ahead, check out the website. It's libertyleadershipandlies.com, all one word. My team, which is still really just Kaylee and I, have worked on getting this website and is now up and running. If there is contact on the podcast or the website you would like to hear or see more of, and that you believe may contribute in a meaningful way, just contact the show. All right, let's get back onto the topic, leadership. In the inaugural episode of this podcast, I discussed a little bit about my background. During my 30-year career in the Navy, I was extremely blessed to have been selected to serve in a variety of leadership positions, both on ships and at shore stations. I'm also now a leadership and management coach, running my own consulting company here in Tennessee. But I want to pass along to you some of the biggest lessons I've learned from all of those positions and my current one. And the first one is leadership is an awesome responsibility. And it's awesome in the sense that if one is placed into or seeks out a position of leadership, it is the position, not the person, that should be looked upon with awe and reverence. The position is placed into your stewardship only temporarily. Somebody else will eventually replace you. What you do to and for the position will be your legacy. Will it be a good legacy? or one looked upon not so kindly. Leadership isn't, nor should it ever be, about the fame or glory of being looked up to by those you are charged with leading, or being given the title of leader. Ego should be left at the door before serving as a leader. I've seen my fair share of people that lead from their egos, and it didn't fare well for them. And I'll be the first to admit that I'm even guilty of doing that in my past, early on in my naval career. And it is one of the biggest lessons I have learned in how not to lead individuals or organizations. Another lesson is leadership should be a humbling experience. If you are not humbled by the responsibility, authority, and accountability that comes with being placed into a position of leadership, you're probably doing it wrong or doing it for the wrong reasons. Another lesson is leadership is a continuous learning process. As I stated in the inaugural episode, I am a student of leadership, a lifelong student of leadership. Ray Kroc of McDonald's fame has been quoted as saying, if you're green, you're growing. If you're ripe, you're rotting. Leadership is a skill set that requires constant learning, constant training, and constant humbling. Like every other skill set a person possesses, it can rot without constant growth. Lastly, and most importantly, leadership is first about serving those you are charged with leading. 
whether it is a large group of citizens at the federal, state, or local level, or on committees or boards in the business community, or in your community, in your neighborhood, in your family, and even yourself. But none of those lessons I just talked about are even alluded to in the dictionary definition of leadership. If you go to dictionary.com and you looked up the word leadership, you will find a few definitions, such as one, the position or function of a leader, a person who guides or directs a group, or two, ability to lead. Another is an act or instance of leading, guidance, direction. And the last one there was the leaders of a group. Pretty confusing, don't you think? So is leadership a noun, a verb, or an adjective? Leadership can be a position of a person or a group, or leadership can be an action of leading or directing. Clear as mud when you're trying to define just one word. And it's such a simple word, and it's used by so many people in our world today to describe themselves or others. Now, to go along with the awesome clarity of the definition, there are also many different types of leadership theories or styles out there that leaders operate from. Leadership theories or styles are the explanations of why and how people become leaders and how they lead. Each different theory assigns different characteristics to the style of the leadership that is exhibited. A large number of many leadership theories out there have overlapping or similar characteristics, too. Among the major attributes that do overlap among a great many of those theories are, one, a strong ethical and high moral standards, two, great organizational skills, three, they're efficient learners, four, leaders seek to develop or grow their employees or followers, and five, encourage connection and belonging. Of those five characteristics I just listed, I would like for you in the audience to do a bit of thinking here. I would like for everyone to think about their local, state, or federal elected representatives and then ask themselves or ask yourself, do they demonstrate any of those characteristics, especially in their dealings with you on a personal level? How many of you have had dealings with your elected representatives personally and not just through mass mailings or marketing emails or campaign commercials or campaign events? I would wager only a few of us have, for a couple of reasons too. One being, the elected officials don't make themselves available to their constituents. They don't take the time out of their day or their busy schedule from governing to make the time to spend with you and find out what your concerns are. And two, the electorate, which is you and I, do not actively seek engagement with the elected officials. That is what I call voter and representative apathy. You will hear me talk about this, apathy, and tie it into every episode. The average voter just does not care anymore. They, we, the average voters, haven't sufficiently cared for a long enough period of time that it has become the norm in our political lives now. Some of that can be traced back to, I can remember as a young teenager or even a young adult, that when you got together for family gatherings, there was two things you were forbidden uh, forbidden from talking about at the kitchen table or the dinner table, and that is politics and religion. 
while our inability or the quashing of talking about politics and religion in family gatherings is why we're at where we're at now. It drives apathy. And that's why our country is in this mess. But for myself, especially here in the last three, four, four and a half years now, I've made it a point to engage with each of my representatives at the state and federal level at least once a week, if not more often. In fact, I joke with my wife about this. Whenever I'm on the iPad or the, the laptop and I try to contact my congressional representatives, it seems that my IP address might be blocked. I can only send an email to my congressional representative from my cell phone when it's not on Wi-Fi. Because when I try to pull up their webpage, their contact page, it's blocked. Interesting, don't you think? Maybe I'm trying to talk to them too much. So getting back to contacting the federal and state elected representatives at least once a week, I bet you when you do, if you're like me, you contact them. Or even if you just started, I would wager that unless you're a big-time campaign donor, which again, probably isn't you or me, you get the typical politician response where they really don't give you a straight answer. Often, you will just receive a form letter or an email response And it's probably drafted by somebody on their staff, not the elected representative themselves. I have many such examples in my saved emails right now. And sometimes the senator or the representative will send me the exact same form letter response to two different questions. That's awesome and true dedicated leadership right there, isn't it? They don't even take the time to read the question They're just going to send a form response because it had something in the question, some word that triggered an automatic response. Terrible. That is elected representative apathy. Their give-a-poop level is at its lowest, especially in off-election years. You do know who those people are that draft those responses, those emails, or return those phone calls. They're the ones behind the scenes that the politician hires to handle the mundane work of staying in touch with their constituents. They are the ones that were not on the ballot when you voted. After all, why should the elected official bother with the little people that elected them to their leadership position? You only matter, you and I only matter, when there's an election going on, when they're campaigning, when they actually need your vote to stay in office. In between elections, a vast number of politicians serve two different masters, Neither of them are the constituents. The first master they serve is ego. If you did like I asked in the previous episode about watching on television or the internet a public hearing conducted by any of the uh, state or federal level representatives, did you see how they behaved? Which of the people in those hearing rooms positioned themselves as if they were the lord and master of the whole room? That the people that are giving the testimony are supposed to be deferential in their responses. That's people that definitely let the egos go to their head. They see themselves as the masters of government. And if you haven't done that yet, watched one of those hearings, go ahead and do so. See if what I'm saying jives with what you're seeing. And the second master that these politicians serve is the person or persons that have given the most campaign contributions. Those are the people that seek legislation favorable to their interests. 
which often run counter to our interests, yours and mine, and end up costing our liberty in the form of our sweat equity. The campaign donors that contributed to their advertising require much more of their attention than you or I, don't they? Then we have to ask ourselves, how did we let this happen? How did this happen? Well, the simplest reason is because you and I, we allowed it to happen. We allowed government at all levels to be the solution to all of our problems. We've allowed them to position themselves as if there is a problem in your life that if you run to government, they'll fix it for you. Never mind that most of the problems in people's lives right now occur as a result of government action. Now let's go back to those five overlapping attributes or characteristics of leadership. Do they apply to the people we elect once they arrive in office? I mean, after they get there and they're settled in, maybe the first few months, six, 12 months at the outside, they do what they said they were going to do. But after that, let's go to those attributes. Are they not elected to seek to develop or grow their employees or followers? The followers being you, the electorate. Well, the only thing that has been steadily growing in our country is the national debt, which contributes immensely to our loss of liberty. Do they encourage connection and belonging? Well, if you watch politicians of all political parties and persuasions today, and when they talk to America or they talk about America, we are either deplorable, communists, domestic terrorists, pedophiles, White supremacists, we're too wealthy and we don't pay our fair share. We're too poor and we get left behind by the wealthy. We're either this special group or that special group based upon our skin color, our whatever preference we have for whatever we do. Any number of different tribes. Very few of them call for unity of purpose and the purpose of being an American, living in the greatest country on the face of the earth. That isn't belonging or encouraging connection. That's quite the opposite, in fact. Because if we are fighting amongst each other, we will be too busy to properly assert our roles as the citizen sovereign and demonstrate the power of we the people. Another characteristic, do they demonstrate strong ethical and high moral standards? Well, that answer is painfully obvious for many of our elected officials, don't you think? I don't even think I need to get into that. Now, they may or may not have great organizational skills, but they have definitely organized a staff to handle their ultimate responsibility of service to their constituents. They delegate it to other people because we don't matter in off-election years. Or they may or may not be an efficient learner, but they have definitely learned how to take our sweat equity and turn it to their advantage or the advantage of everybody but their constituents. But it is we that sent them to our city halls, our state, our national capitals to represent our interests. We voted for them. We voted for them to represent the interest of the citizen sovereign. But once they get into office, you only matter every two, four, or six years when they need your vote to stay in office. Because that is where the power is. 
They rarely stay interested in serving, but rather in gaining and maintaining power. And I don't care what political party you are part of, or you favor, or you support. They are all there for the power. The power over your life, the power over my life. They obtain and they build their power by crafting and passing legislation that has the ultimate result of reducing our freedoms and our liberty. Now remember, our constitutional republic was formed to protect our liberties. They don't give us our liberties. They don't give us our freedoms. Governments are instituted among men to protect our God-given rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I'd like to pause now for a word from one of the supporters of this podcast. Please give it a listen. For all my listeners that live in the Hampton Roads area of Virginia, I want to give a huge shout-out to one of my all-time favorite car mechanics and longtime good friend, Glenn Moser. He is a supporter of this podcast and the owner-operator of Professional Auto, located at 5900 Thurston Avenue, Suite Alpha, in Virginia Beach. Phone number is 757-962-0102. Not only is Glenn an extremely talented mechanic, but he is also a great American and a staunch supporter of our constitutional rights. My family and I relied on Glenn and Professional Auto for all of our vehicle needs when we lived in the Hampton Roads, Virginia area. Quality work at a fair price and service with a smile are what you will receive when you take your vehicle to Professional Auto. I encourage all my listeners there in the Hampton Roads area to look them up if your car needs work. Again, that is Professional Auto, 5900 Thurston Avenue, Suite Alpha in Virginia Beach, Virginia, and the phone number is 757-962-0102. Back to leadership. A good friend of mine sent me a clip from Bill Maher's television show that I found extremely interesting. He's one of the people I greatly respect. We talk about leadership all the time because, I, like me, we are both students of leadership, lifelong learners. And he sent me this thing and asked me what I thought. And it's from Bill Maher. You know, I don't quite agree with Bill Maher and his politics. But uh, what you hear in the whole clip will be interesting, but quite sadly true. Like I said earlier, I am definitely not a fan of Bill Maher. I think he has played a role with this position in the media of egging on those schoolyard fights I mentioned in an earlier episode ridicules people that don't toe his philosophical line. He is a supporter of big government action, which the clip will allude to in a small way. But the bigger picture I'm trying to reach out to the audience about is in the full clip that you can find on YouTube or any other media outlet. I will play a bit of the opening so that I can get to what I believe is the bigger picture. Give it a listen. And finally, new rule, you're not going to win the battle for the 21st century if you are a silly people. And Americans are a silly people. That's the classic phrase from Lawrence of Arabia when Lawrence tells his Bedouin allies that as long as they stay a bunch of squabbling tribes, they will remain a silly people. Well, we're the silly people now. Do you know who doesn't care that there's a stereotype of a Chinese man in a Dr. Seuss book? China. All 1.4 billion of them could give a crouching tiger flying f (laughs) 
because they're not a silly people. If anything, they are as serious as a prison fight. Look, we all know China does bad stuff. They break promises about Hong Kong autonomy. They put Uyghurs in camps and punish dissent. And we don't want to be that. But it's got to be something between authoritarian government that tells everyone what to do and a representative government that can't do anything at all. Now, of course, I had to clean up the language in that clip I just played because he likes to use a lot of foul language, and I'm not a big fan of that. Not anymore. But what he is saying here in that clip is that we, Americans have become a silly people. And I completely agree with that. The woke culture has played a huge role in driving us to this point. Or the politically correct culture. We debate the silliest stuff and let it divide us into these camps that politicians of all parties want us in. Remember, if we are fighting each other, we are not focusing on what they are doing to us. They are robbing us of our liberty and our freedoms, our time, slowly increasing the temperature of the boiling pot of water until us frogs do not have enough energy to leap out. They've accomplished this through a large number of processes, increasing the tax burdens, regulatory burdens, trade negotiations that favor every party except the American citizen, all of which serve to drive up the cost of living forcing every working-age adult in the house to labor at a job where 10 to 50% of your income enriches the government so they can find more ways to squeeze our wallets and purses dry. Feeding, clothing, and providing shelter for our families is what we're supposed to do, but the government is making it so that you and I, we have to abandon our most precious asset that we have to give to our families. Time. Now, my pastor, he delivered an incredible message a few weeks ago about time. In part of that message, he said that where we invest our time reveals what is important to us, what is most important to us. Now, time is our most precious commodity, and we must invest it wisely. Our elected officials pass legislation that require us to spend more time away from our families, more time away from our faith gatherings, more time not focused on what they're doing to us. They rob us of that precious commodity that we can never get back. They are failed leaders. They are the leaders that operate from a place of ego instead of service. They pass legislation and divide us into these squabbling tribes just to occupy our time because they know if we could invest our time more on family, more on faith, and more on the involvement in selecting true servant leaders, they probably would not make the cut. They would be riding the bench, watching the citizen sovereign taking their rightful place as the masters of the government and masters of the court. So when we think about leadership and what we want from the people we elect to serve our interests, to represent this citizen sovereign at all levels of government. Think about what kind of leadership characteristics you'll be voting for next time. Are they the ego leader? Are they the leader that wants to rob you of your time, your money, so you can be focused on everything but them? Or do you want to invest your time to finding the true servant leader? that will help restore the citizen sovereign 
of our great constitutional republic. That's all we have time for today on the topic of leadership. Of course, we will always be talking about leadership in future episodes. I am a student of leadership. And I believe that proper leadership in the proper places can solve most problems. Now, if you're interested in supporting this podcast, you can do so through donations on the show's channel at Anchor. Any support will be greatly appreciated and help to get this message out and cure our nation of voter apathy and elected representative apathy towards our Constitution. I again would like to thank returning listeners. I'm grateful that you made the decision to continue listening to this podcast. If you're a first-time listener, I encourage you to listen to episode one where I laid out the reasons why I started this podcast. It is my sincere hope that you will all enjoy this podcast and enough so that you will share it with your family, friends, co-workers, and neighbors. Before I sign off, I would like to leave you with this for the rest of the week, and it comes from God's Word in Matthew 20, 26. But among you it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. Reveille, it's time to wake up.